Step outside the comfort zone. It's time for the JoLynn Thomas Show. The show that doesn't just scratch the surface of the important issues, it gets to the heart of the matter. Here's your host, JoLynn Thomas. Good afternoon. It's good to be with you. We are going to do what we do best. We are going to shatter some stereotypes and expose some raw truth. Believe it or not, in the United States of America, we incarcerate more people than any other country. Seriously, we are bar none the leaders when it comes to locking people up. And I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily think that's a title that we should be proud of. However, we have been conditioned and programmed over the years to believe that locking more and more people up is going to keep us safer. But that is not the truth, not even close. Let's get down to some raw truth. Right now, in America, there are over 2.3 million adults that are currently locked up in American prisons and jails. The incarceration rate continues to skyrocket. In fact, the incarceration rate has jumped a whopping, are you ready for this, 500% over the past four decades. Mass incarceration is big business. Our government keeps spending more and more tax dollars on a broken criminal justice system that disproportionately affects poor people, African-Americans, and Latinos in this country. Now, in 1994, the Violent Crime Act spent $10 billion to fund more prisons and enforce longer and longer sentences. We have been sort of fed this idea, this notion, if you will, that locking more and more people up for longer and longer is going to keep us safe. But that isn't the truth, not even close. I am a big believer in the idea that sometimes we have to flip the script. Sometimes we have to take control and get to the root of an issue. Recently, I was at the grocery store and I was doing what I like to do as I'm waiting in the line, sort of looking at magazines, and this magazine jumped right out at me. It was O Magazine. No surprise, since I am a very big fan of Oprah Winfrey. I love her philosophy, her approach to life, and her ability to make people think. I happen to believe that sometimes the best way to get to a solution is to ask powerful questions. Questions that make people stop in their tracks and rethink things. So on the cover of this particular edition of O Magazine, it was a question that caught my eye. And the reason this question caught my eye is because it connected with what I believe deep inside. The question was, what 
if you saw things differently. Imagine that. Looking at things from a different vantage point is a game changer. But it's easier said than done because we as Americans get programmed by people who profit off of particular ideas. Think about it for a moment. The get tough on crime era was a golden ticket to political office for a lot of folks. They made their campaign soar by inciting fear. Fear of crime, fear of inner cities, and fear of minorities. They talked about family values. Trouble is, they didn't really address the fact that when you lock more and more people up for longer and longer, what you're doing is tearing families apart. And that is a vicious and ugly cycle. Sometimes confronting the ugly truth is a tricky proposition. But make no mistake about it. Mass incarceration is big business. There are people profiting off of other individuals' pain. And I don't know about you, but for me, that makes me absolutely sick. This idea of no mercy, no humanity. Do you remember the Karate Kid? I loved the Karate Kid movies back in the 80s. And there's a particular moment where the opposing team is constantly being told to show no mercy. But Mr. Miyagi trained Danielson to show mercy. He helped him realize the karate was not just in your hands or your feet. Karate was in your heart. It was really a state of mind. Being able to have that restraint and to show mercy. Mercy is a beautiful thing, but over time, we have been taught to have no compassion. People have, in essence, told us to kick our common sense to the curb. So right now, I want us to look at this mass incarceration problem from a new perspective. I want us to flip the script and to follow that advice of Oprah Winfrey, that question that was posed on O Magazine, let's, you and I, right now, try to see things differently. We're going to go ahead and listen to a little clip from Brave New Film's powerful documentary called Healing Trauma, Beyond Prisons and Gangs. And this powerful documentary is a game changer when we look at the problem of mass incarceration. Let's go ahead and listen to this little clip. Rival gangs creating anarchy. A major gang bust in Los Angeles today. Epidemic of violence. Gang members roam the streets. These are animals. Animals. Savage, vicious, criminal gangs. Bloodthirsty killers. And there you have it, an example of what 
has been happening for a very long time and what continues to happen. When we just get in this mode of locking people up, we are not addressing the root problem. We are not considering the pain and trauma that leads to a criminal lifestyle. And the way that our criminal justice system is set up is dysfunctional at best. We set people up for failure. And why do you think that is? Come on, let's just follow the trail. It's all about the money. Absolutely. People really do profit from suffering, from pain, from trauma of other people. The way our criminal justice system is set up, people come out and they don't have a great shot at re-entering into society because it's tough for them to get a job. And once they do get a job, it's usually minimum wage. And then they have to pay a cost of supervision. They have to pay for their own drug testing. They're required to take classes and they have to pay all of this while trying to make ends meet. Not exactly a recipe for success. In fact, this system as it stands has all the ingredients that lead to a recipe for disaster. We're going to go ahead and listen to a little bit longer clip. This is actually the trailer for Brave New Films documentary, Healing Trauma Beyond Prisons and Gangs. Let's take a listen. No kid is seeking anything when he joins a gang. Every kid is fleeing from something when they join a gang. Well, that anger starts building up and you don't know how to release that anger. I was hurting. You're gonna hurt me? Oh, I'm gonna hurt you. That's all you got is hurting the inside. So when you go out there in the streets, that's all you wanna do, hurt somebody. If I'm hurting, you're gonna hurt too. Everybody else is gonna pay for my pain. What happens when you lock a dog in a cage and you let him out six months later? He's wild, uncontrollable. Locking up more and more people is not making us safer. They're not gonna say the truth, which is, my mom used to put cigarettes out on me and hold my head in the toilet and flush till I nearly drowned. That's why I joined a gang. What if we were to invest in people rather than just try to futilely, mindlessly incarcerate our way out of this problem? When you come out of prison, you never get prepared for a future because they think you don't have a future. I didn't have no more chances. In all these places, they won't hire me. I couldn't go get a job anywhere because they're not going to hire felons. You know, I have no social security. You know, I'm getting older. Who's going to take care of me? What have I done with my life? And I got scared. So it's an illusion that, you know, by locking up more people, that it brings you safety. I've been to every single prison in California, and there's nothing there that helps you rehabilitate. And then one day, my roommate says, hey, let's go to Homeboy Industries, and I was like, Where's that? What's that? I was kind of afraid to come here because I didn't know what to expect. I heard one of my friends that had jumped me into my gang was working here. Now I know what happened in my past, why it has to do with me today. I can finally breathe and enjoy what I believe life was meant to be like for me. 
I'm grabbing, I'm running, and I'm living. Homeboys, it just, it's, it feel like home. And that is the million dollar question that we are going to build on today. What if we invested in people? We're going to take a quick break right now, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we're going to talk with renowned filmmaker Robert Greenwald of Brave New Films, and we're going to consider that idea of what if we invested in people. We'll be right back after this. Step outside the comfort zone. You're listening to The Joe Lynn Thomas Show. And we are certainly stepping outside the comfort zone today. I want you to think about what comes to mind when you hear gang member or gangs. We have been conditioned to just freeze. Now, don't get me wrong. I am certainly not excusing violent criminal behavior. But I believe that it is time for us to look at this problem from a different perspective. And Brave New Films has been doing that. They have a powerful documentary that I promise you will help you see the mass incarceration problem and help you understand a little bit more clearly why people end up in this downward spiral why they join gangs. I love what Father Greg Boyle said in that little clip. He said, nobody is running towards something when they join a gang. They're fleeing something. They're fleeing that pain and trauma. We're going to talk right now with Robert Greenwald. I had the opportunity to have a conversation with him the other day and he is a powerful filmmaker. He is making the kind of films that make a difference. And right now, we're going to listen to a piece of that interview. Here is my interview, my conversation with Robert Greenwald, Emmy-nominated filmmaker from Brave New Films. Mass incarceration, the number of people we lock up, the length we lock them up for, the way we treat them, the amount of money we spend, and the extraordinary ineffectiveness it is in terms of creating greater security for our society will be and is starting to be looked at as one of the greatest tragedies in the United States today. That needs to be talked about. It needs to be discussed. People need to organize around it, and it needs to be approached and attacked from a variety of points of view. And one very strong point of view is a moral point of view. It is wrong on humane levels. There are many people in our country, despite whether they are religious or not religious, what faith they follow, who have strong moral beliefs. And it actually, the moral part, but actually does cut across left and right and different uh, faith persuasions. So it's extremely important to take that part of it, not the only way to approach it, but certainly an important piece of approaching this issue that's uh, having such a corrosive and horrific effect on many, many people in our population. 
we say we're in the business of rehabilitating people, but we don't really do that in the United States of America. And one thing that I think your work does a great job of pointing out is that there are a lot of victims when we look at mass incarceration and children truly do suffer. What have you seen with regard to that? Well, I think you just hit it very well in the opening statement. We are in the business of mass incarceration. And sadly, it has become, and we've done a series of short films and longer films, all of which are available for free at bravenewfilms.org, by the way, at our website. But it has become a business. And there are companies and individuals and stocks that are profiting enormously because of these business. Private prison corporations had the biggest percentage rise in stock the day after Trump was elected because it was clear uh, that he and they were working together. They gave significant political contributions. And uh, Trump and also previous administrations continued to expand the number of people locked up and the privatization and profiteering from those number of people have locked up. Children are a uh, subset of that, and um, you know we've seen it most awfully with the children who have been locked up with or without their parents coming from other countries. And we've done, among again, many others, a short video with pediatricians who talk about the effect on children's brains of being locked up. This is long-term impact, and the fact of there's still 500 or I think more children locked up with some without their parents every single day that they are imprisoned and put in those cages. They've not committed a crime. They are not a threat to our security. Every single day, those children's brains are being altered in uh, profound and long-term ways. It's heartbreaking because People in this country are profiting off of pain. And I love the fact that you guys address trauma and pain, and you're looking at some of the ways that maybe we can intervene and do things a little differently and have a better impact. Exactly. What Most recently, we did a 20-minute film about the extraordinary work of Father Greg and his homeboy industries in Los Angeles. And really what, in doing the work and talking to many of these former gangbangers, young men, young women, what we've been doing, we've been criminalizing trauma. People who have had the most horrific uh, experiences in their formative very early years, that in no way excuses what they've done. But the notion that they, we then punish them without any thought about how to help bring them back into society, how to help change their lives, their families' lives, the community's lives, and our lives for the better is a tragedy. And part of that tragedy is driven by profit. The more prisoners, the more profit, the more people keep going back to the system, the more profit. And part of that is driven by mistaken philosophy and ideology that punishment is going to make us safer. But punishment is not prevention. Punishment is punishment. It's after the fact. It's doing nothing before the fact, which is what the enlightened, smart, effective 
programs like Father Greg and Homeboys do where they deal with the trauma. We did a short film on addiction where we highlight a program in Seattle. Similarly, rather than saying to the addicts, we're going to lock you up and throw away the key, these are people with an illness, these are people with trauma, these are people with sickness. There are effective, cost-effective, and morally uh, appropriate ways to treat those people. And that's what's going to make us safer. When we are able to have people come out and reenter society and be productive members of society, when you take hope away from people, and that's what our system really does, then you really give them no motivation to integrate back into society. Uh, That's exactly right. One of the young men we interviewed in the a uh, healing trauma film about homeboys, he says, he says, I'm three years out of Pelican Bay, which is a maximum security prison, and I'm a homeowner now. What a difference that makes for him, for his family, for all of us who both, as you, we began the interview by talking about, on a moral level and on a safety level, we are not safer by t- putting people in institutions that harden them, that train them how to be better at committing violent crimes, and that uh, in many ways are beating them up for the early trauma that they experience. Right. Things that were not their fault. It becomes this generational cycle that is really tough to break. And love is a lot more powerful than the kinds of things that we hear about some of these prisons and what people endure. How do we really think that treating people like animals, locking them up, is going to give them the skills to come out and then regain and, and be productive? Well, we don't, and they don't. And as one of the people said in the uh, Healing Trauma film, you know, have you ever locked up a dog, and put him on a chain, put him in a closet, and then seen what happens after a few hours or a few days? Our prison system, our jail system, is very effective at creating more people going back to prison and back to jail. It's a complete disaster failure in every way in terms of protecting our security, in terms of reclaiming people's lives, and in terms of helping the community. But it's great at spending obscene amounts of money in a non-productive fashion. Absolutely. It is all about the money. And it's really political as well. You think about how many politicians have gotten ahead by playing on people's fears and perpetuating this notion that locking more people up is going to make us safer. And I think your work does an incredible job at showcasing the fact that that is a stereotype that we need to shatter to pieces. Well, thank you, and it's true. I mean, all of us know, you know it viscerally, you know it emotionally, sometimes you know it intellectually. Fear is very easily stoked. Fear is very easily fanning the flames. Because once fear kicks in, the rational brain does not have a lot of room. Now, whether it's fear that gets us into senseless wars, 17 years in Afghanistan now, or it's fear that gets us to lock people up and then we don't know how to get them out or how to help them, it becomes a uh, self-perpetuating machine of the worst kind. 
We're going to take a quick break right now, but more with Robert Greenwald of Brave New Films right after this quick break. We'll be back. Using her voice to rally the cry for those who feel like they have no voice. This is the JoLynn Thomas Show. Today we are looking at mass incarceration in a different way. We are getting beneath the surface and getting to the heart of what causes this generational cycle of criminal lifestyle. And we have a broken criminal justice system, no question about that. But pain and trauma are two things that are often overlooked. And there are some programs out there that are starting to address pain and trauma and seeing tremendous results. We are going to hear the rest of my conversation right now with Robert Greenwald. His work has earned him 25 Emmy Awards, two Golden Globe nominations, 25 Emmy nominations, excuse me, two Golden Globe nominations, the Peabody Award, the Robert Wood Johnson Award, and the 2002 Producer of the Year Award by the American Film Institute. He is a remarkable man who is making a difference by producing films that get us to see things from a different vantage point. Here's the rest of my conversation with Robert Greenwald of Brave New Films. Robert, I would like to ask you, is there a story that stands out to you in the work that you've done that you would like to maybe share? Anything that you would like people to sort of take away from uh, about this idea of getting a handle on mass incarceration? Well, I can say from having worked on it over the years, many years ago when I was lived in New York City, I used to go into the the tombs and the called the one of the prisons and the Brooklyn House of Detention and did workshops with prisoners. And that was probably twenty, thirty years ago. And since then, I've been involved in this issue. And I can tell you for sure there are human beings. They live. They breathe. They feel who are being locked up, we are not helping them, and they, they can be reached. And there is many, much, much that individuals can do. We've created all these films that are, again, as I say, are free. They're on our website. We have a program where we encourage, we have brave new educators. We're almost 1,000 or 2,000 teachers and professors are screening them in colleges and high schools. We have Brave New Faith programs where people are screening them in uh, different places of worship, and they're all free. They have study guides, and the important idea is that things can be done. Things can be done on the local level. Things can be done in terms of fighting bail. Things can be turned done in terms of uh, helping people when they get out. There are, pro- there are programs all over the state, all over the country. So I would encourage people, I know that the times can be dark now because of what's going on in national politics, but mass incarceration is an issue that needs people at the local level, and there's enormous work to be done, and there's also enormous satisfaction in knowing that you are going to be directly impacting and helping people's lives one-on-one. You know, in the Hunger Games, 
there's a quote that I've always loved, and it's that the only thing stronger than fear is hope. And I think that your films are offering hope and showcasing a different approach. And I really believe that when we are willing to look at things from a different vantage point, that's a game changer. You know, if we're going to spend the money, why not spend it on the front end being proactive and stopping some of these generational cycles of pain and trauma? And I love how your films really showcase that there are real stories and you can see people who have changed completely just through having hope. Well, uh, thank you. I I, um, I think that's so true that hope is is a wonderful thing. It's a realistic thing. It's a practical thing. It's a motivator. And the films, I believe, are a tool to help everybody. Uh, to, whether to, sh- again, show it at a library, show it at a friend, show it at home, get a discussion going, use it to fundraise. There are many uses for the films, and I'm fortunate that as a nonprofit, we're able to make them available for free um, and to offer them in this wide way. But they're only useful if people like your listeners take them on and use them on social media. You know, it's a whole other way. We have clips that are a minute and two minutes that are ideally made for sending around. And there have been lots of studies, by the way. You know, the most effective transmitting of information on social media is what's called the um, messenger who is known and respected. What does that mean? It means it's not a brand, but it means it's a relative or a friend or a colleague sending something along has a lot more impact than some big company paying lots of monies for it. So there's so much that we can all do today, knowing that there's lots of work, but this one, I think, as you wisely said, is hope, and we can encourage and build on hope and create change. Absolutely. That's the name of the game. And when we find the courage to look at things from a different perspective, then we're getting closer to the root causes of a problem. I think we're in this mindset that, you know, locking people up is the way to go. We have to punish people, but that's doing nothing to keep us safer. And I love the fact in the beginning, you talked about the studies that show what locking children up does to their brains. And I've got to believe that on some level, locking adults up as well and taking away any hope and putting them in very violent and difficult circumstances is going to alter their brains as well. Alter their brains, alter their lives, alter their options. Um, you know, locking people up who don't have money to pay for bail then has a corrosive effect on the entire family, on the entire community, can cost people jobs and housing, and now... You've taken maybe a minor infraction and turned it into a major life crisis for somebody, which is, again, why that's so important. And we've done several short and long pieces on money bail and the profiteering there. Again, it's just one area to push back on. But there's change coming. Change is beginning. There are, you know, Texas and Louisiana have begun changes in their system, partly for financial reasons, 
And so there are allies out there that can be brought into this. Not everybody, and the companies that are profiting will fight hard. And those who philosophically believe the the myth and model of punishment and locking them up will fight hard. But there are more of us than there are of them. Absolutely. Humanity is a game changer, too. And I believe that if we can kind of unite and send the powerful message that we want to see change, then eventually those politicians are going to start listening. Absolutely. Robert, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. And again, let folks know where they can find those films and how they can maybe host a screening of their own. Well, if you go to our website, bravenewfilms.org, you can see the films there. You can go to Brave New Educators, where we have the study guides uh, for teachers, professors, uh, interested parents. You can go to our Facebook page, Brave New Films. You can go to my Twitter, Robert Greenwald, where I'm quite active and all of the latest films are posted. Uh, You can sign up our our email list, bravenewfilms.org, where you then would get updates as soon as any of our new films and videos are released uh, with, again, as I say, the study guides and the reflection guides and easy uh, ways to explain to you how you can do a screening at your home, at your school, or uh, many places where with the technology today it's easy to screen. Or simply go to Facebook, see what's there, see what you like, pass it along with a comment. You'd be amazed at the impact it can have on your, your friends, your relatives, your colleagues, and elected officials. They need to hear from you. You know, every time I've talked to an elected official, Over and over again, they say, yes, you know, petitions are fine, but what's real impactful is either a call or a direct email or letter to them. And with the films, it's a very easy way to send to their offices. They all have staffers. They all are responsible for monitoring it. Here's a short film on bail. What are you doing about it? Here's something on mass incarceration. What are you doing about it? That's, you know, democracy is not a spectator sport. We've got to get into the game. Absolutely. Robert Greenwald, thank you again for the tremendous work that you're doing. Uh, I believe it's journalism with a heart and your films are making a difference. So thanks again. And thank you for taking time to chat with us today. Thank you. And uh, thank all the listeners who are, uh, we live and fight so that uh, we can provide the tools so they can take action. And that's what it's about taking action, letting our voices be heard. We're going to continue our conversation. We're going to continue looking at mass incarceration from a new vantage point right after this. Common Sense Talk with Compassion. This is the JoLynn Thomas Show. Here's JoLynn Thomas. So nice to have you along for today's conversation. We're doing what we do best. We are shattering some stereotypes and exposing some raw, ugly truth. We're talking about mass incarceration. And one of the things that fuels this mass incarceration rate is the fact that we have gotten into a habit of dehumanizing and criminalizing people. We are criminalizing people right and left. We are criminalizing things that should not be criminalized. And that continues to fuel 
this high, out-of-control mass incarceration rate. We are spending big bucks to keep people locked up. And our politicians are trying to convince us that doing that is going to keep us safer. However, study after study continues to just blow that argument to pieces. Locking people up for longer and longer does not keep us safer. What is going to make a difference is getting to the root of the problem. And in order to get to the root of this problem, we have to step back and be willing to flip the script and venture outside the comfort zone and see this problem in a whole different way. I remember some years ago, I had sort of an aha moment, if you will. I was working in a CBS affiliate newsroom, and there was a case that was tugging at my heartstrings. A young mother fell asleep, and during that, there had been this fire, and her four-year-old son didn't make it out. He died. And it was heartbreaking because obviously that was not what this mother intended. But she was being absolutely demolished in the court of public opinion. And as I sat in this newsroom and listened to various coworkers discuss this, I realized that I was completely on an island on this issue. And as I tried to bring some compassion into this particular argument, I was met with that status quo argument of, hey, she made her bed. She's going to have to lie in it. She should have paid attention. Maybe if she hadn't been smoking some pot, she wouldn't have passed out. I'm not condoning any of that. But what I knew in that moment and what I continue to know today is that that young mother was going to punish herself far more than any criminal justice system ever could. She was going to have to live with this forevermore. But over and over again, I heard people just pushing this idea of punishment to the highest degree. This was not somebody who was a threat to society. This was somebody who made a terrible, tragic mistake. Did she deserve this long sentence? But there was no mercy. Nobody willing to look at her background to understand where she came from and to realize that even the harshest punishment would not bring that little boy back. Where do you stand on this idea of punishment versus rehabilitation? Transparency and rehabilitation are two words that politicians love to throw around. They will tell us up one side and down the other that they are transparent. And yet, upon closer examination, we realize that's not exactly the truth. They also tell us 
that they believe in the idea of rehabilitation and they stand on these platforms of getting tough on crime in order to protect families. It's always bothered me, this notion of getting tough on crime and protecting families because they don't really go together. What we know is that when you continue to lock people up, you are absolutely destroying families and creating a disadvantage for children. There are so many children in this country who are growing up with parents behind bars. Now, I'm not suggesting that nobody should be locked up. But what I am suggesting is that we rethink the types of things that we're criminalizing and that we take a look at what Brave New Films has discovered in their investigative documentary, Healing Pain and Trauma, beyond prison and gangs. Because when you look at these stories and you see what these young people went through from a very young age, not dealing with that trauma is inevitably going to lead them down a path of criminal activity. But intervening at an earlier point, putting dollars into education and mental health treatment, getting counselors into our schools to identify some of the red flags that are going to help people get on a path that would lead to productivity and joy instead of pain and trauma. PTSD is a real thing. And a lot of times people discount that just the way they discount mental health issues or addiction issues. Robert Greenwald did a powerful piece to sort of promote these films about ending mass incarceration. And it was in the Huffington Post. Here is some raw truth. You know we're going to go there. The incarceration rate of black men is seven times higher than that of white men. One in six Latinos will go to prison in their lifetime. For the same offenses, black men received sentences that were, on average, about 19% longer than white men for the same crimes. Now, I know this is a touchy issue. A lot of people get real defensive when you start talking about this, and they want to try to dispute this fact. But this fact is something you really cannot dispute. You can try to sling a little mud and manipulate the numbers, but what you cannot discount is the stories. And there are countless stories showcasing how children are growing up without fathers because of this dysfunctional aspect of our criminal justice system. It is time that we start putting money to better use. Seriously, $10 billion in 1994 for the Violent Crime Act. That sounds good, doesn't it? And that's what politicians do. They know how to polarize people, to capitalize on fear. 
Fear mongers are alive and well in the United States of America. Look around. Just notice you're going to see as the political season kicks up, the fear mongers come out to play because fear is a huge motivator and fear has landed a lot of folks in positions of power. $10 billion to build more prisons, $10 billion to enforce longer sentences for nonviolent crimes. Yeah, three strikes and you're out. Three strikes and you're out. That idea, it sounds good, doesn't it? And think back, politicians were, ooh, they were capitalizing on that. Do you remember Bill Clinton? One, two, three strikes and you're out. It sounds good. It even looks good as you look at it on paper. But when you get closer and you start examining the stories, then it's not so pretty. People are being locked up for low-level drug crimes and getting life sentences. And these are fathers and mothers and their children are the silent victims to mass incarceration. Their children are paying the price for this idea that locking more and more people up will keep us safer. I am a big movie buff. I love to kick back and sort of unwind with a good movie. And one of my favorites over the years has always been Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. Love that. And in that movie, there is a moment where Chevy Chase's boss has been brought to him by Cousin Eddie with a big red bow because Chevy Chase said, if anybody wants to get me a last-minute Christmas gift, bring me my boss with a red bow. Cousin Eddie was a little slow, and so he took that literally and did that. And the reason Chevy Chase wanted his boss standing in front of him is because his character, Clark Griswold, was counting on this Christmas bonus. And he had already put some money down for this swimming pool. And then he realizes he's not getting the Christmas bonus. Instead, he's been enrolled in this Jelly of the Month Club. So he's outraged. And when his boss is standing there and people, even the police, are saying, wow, that was a low move, mister, he says something that is so profound. And I believe it really applies to this notion of bringing an end to mass incarceration. It really sheds some new light on this three strikes and you're out, this get tough on crime approach. He says, Sometimes things look good on paper, but lose their luster when you see how they affect real people. Yes, three strikes you're out. Get tough on crime. Sounds good and even looks good on paper. But upon closer examination, when you see how these policies are affecting real lives, how they are tearing apart families, 
these policies and this mass incarceration approach loses its luster. I want to give you an opportunity to weigh in on this conversation. Where do you stand with regard to mass incarceration? What have you seen? Have you been a witness to these policies tearing families apart? one 888 Again, the number to call is one 888 463-6748. I would love to know your thoughts. You can also leave thoughts at the JoLynn Thomas Show Facebook page or at TalkZone.com. I remember some years ago getting a real firsthand glimpse at this notion that from an early age, young African-American boys are often labeled and thrust into this category where they are looked at as some kind of threat. I was working as I was going through college at an after-school program at a school in Oakland, California. It was a suburb, a nice area. And there was a little boy that caught my attention. He had this bright smile. His name was Quincy. He was only eight years old a darling African-American boy. And as he would come in, I could just see that Quincy had so much potential. But I started noticing that Quincy was always getting blamed for everything. The teachers did it, and the other students were smart enough to realize that the teachers had already labeled Quincy. They had already decided to stereotype Quincy and put him in some category. And so they knew that all they had to do was blame Quincy and the spotlight would be taken off of them and put on Quincy. This bothered me. And as I was on the playground doing recess duty, there was a little girl, a little hair flipper. I like to call him that. She had her little ponytails and she would flip them and she was very prim and proper and she came marching over to Quincy and he was within earshot of me and she said Quincy you have to go to the principal's office right now you're in big trouble and I saw Quincy's spirit just sort of melt and he bowed his head and was about to start walking and oh no 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 I was not having it I came up And I said, Quincy's not going to the principal's office. And she said, he has to, with her little hands on her hip. And I said, you tell the principal, if he wants to talk to someone, he can talk to me. And what happened next was truly eye-opening. Quincy looked at me and he said, thanks, but you don't want to hang out with me because then you'll, you'll be labeled, don't you know? I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad kid. And I said, Quincy, you are not a bad kid. And you can flip the script. And kindness counts. And I started spending a lot of time with Quincy, helping him to realize who he was. Helping him to understand that he was not who all these people tried to tell him he was. That he was something and he could be anything. And in that moment, I realized how as a society we tend to label people and take hope away from them, even at 
eight years old. If we want to get a handle on mass incarceration, we have to start flipping the script. We have to start paying attention to those real stories that showcase what's really going on. We have to be willing to venture outside the comfort zone, face the ugly truth, and let our voices be heard. I encourage you to take a moment and look at this powerful documentary, Healing Pain and Trauma Beyond Prison and Gangs. I believe it's going to help you see this in a whole different way because what it does is it humanizes these people who had trauma from an early age. And then because of that trauma and that pain, found themselves on a slippery slope that led them down a criminal path and it was a pipeline to prison. The school to prison pipeline is alive and well and we have to do a better job at sending the message to our politicians that we can read between the lines and that we want humanity and that we want money spent on proactive approaches. We don't want to just be dealing with a problem after it's already occurred. We want to be in the business of trying to prevent problems. Spending money on giving young people hope and opportunity. This is America. Land of the free, home of the brave, and we can certainly do better. I'm Jill Lynn Thomas. I'll talk to you again next time right here on TalkZone.com.